Hey all, Connor L here. Before this episode, which we recorded about a week ago, our friends over at Cape and Lunatics has lost one of their co-hosts, Charlie Essa. I'm sure we have a lot of mutual listeners. Uh, I know Ray Zod has been on there a lot, and Tyler from Krypton Report, who is guesting on this episode, has been on there a lot as well. His wife has set up a GoFundMe for funeral and expenses, so go check that out and help out if you can. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. I'm Connor from the House of L, and I'm welcoming back special guest Tyler from the Krypton Report. Hello, Tyler. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, thanks. You're still Superman Blue over there, I assume. Yep, I am. I am. That is that is true. My my red counterpart is a uh, he's out fighting crime right now. Oh, he does that? It sounds like Superman Red. So, hmm. but yeah, we haven't had you on. Well, I've, I guess, because it's we're in the super friends phase of the podcast now, where it's just me and a rotating sort of series of guests. Um, and I haven't had you on since episode sixty three in two thousand twenty one, which was hmm. boy, uh, the the Justice League animated trilogy. Yeah, uh, sounds right. And I did have James on last year for the Civil War Elseworld. But yeah, no, it's it's good to have you back on. Didn't realize it'd been so long. Hey, I mean, yeah, I didn't realize either. But, you know, we, we chat online and everything. And yeah. It's just time. Like, yeah, exactly. We chat online, so it doesn't feel like it's been long, you know. Yeah. organizing the next thing and just time passes, so... Yeah, but no, it's good, and uh, you mentioned a couple of times you wanted to do The Last Son, so we're here to do that story arc, Jeff Johns, Richard Donner, uh, was it, let me get the artist, uh, Adam Kubert, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Dave Stewart is the colorist, I want to say, I so, uh, yeah, I haven't read this story since... Hmm. I want to say, boy, was I like eighteen? So twelve mm. years ago, maybe. Um, okay. So this was definitely like a. I remember I picked up this story because <laughs> at the times I was super into the Christopher Reeve movie or films, and I saw this was like co-written by Richard Donner, which is why I picked it up and read it so obviously the times have changed quite a lot now now i'm well aware of like who jeff johns is uh, and how yeah. big a name he is so uh, but it was interesting coming back to a story i hadn't read for so long and you know despite like i mean not not being as into the christopher reeve superman stuff i probably liked the story better this time around so mm. Yeah, um, but before that, is there anything else Superman related you wanted to discuss? Any anything that's come up or well, uh, as of this recording, as we are recording right now, it is. I know our time differences, so it's still it is Superman Day. 
Um, it is June 12th, which is Superman Day. So, happy Superman Day. Oh, happy Superman Day. I uh, <laughs> I feel bad for not knowing that, but it's perfect it's that one we of, happen to record on Superman Day. So It's one of those, like, it's like Superman Day, there's the, the Superman anniversary that people look at, you know, hmm. for when Action Comics actually came out, and then DC declared June uh, Superman Day, but then they also had... Uh, in April, so it's one of those weird things, like yeah, because I, I, the for Superman Day, I, I forget about it every year, and then I remember when June comes up, someone mentions it to me, and because in my head it's always the anniversary of Action One, because that's when I see all the stuff being posted, like yep. eighty years of Superman, eighty three years of Superman, stuff like that. So it is a bit odd how he has two days, but hey, more than yeah. Maria. So, I tried to, uh, yeah, we have a special that drops here in six hours I th- um, that I started doing every year, um, just little, like, vignette-type little video clip, little things um, me and the kids do, and then I just put it online and on YouTube and everything for Superman Day as something fun. So. Yeah, cool. I'll... I'll pop a link for that in the show notes so <clears throat> yeah um so i'm just gonna say a few of my superman traits have reviews from ign on the front and i'm just nice. thinking can you not get anyone more prestigious than a video game review website to review these classic <laughs> superman stories put reviews from me on there yeah for real oh you know or you like any i don't know anyone who not like a video game website, and I'm not. No, screw IGN. I'm not going to protect IGN. Uh, they're they're not like good reviewers. They're not reliable. They're paid, <laughs> so it's like yeah. I know it's just weird when I pick up a critically acclaimed Superman book that people love. It's being widely read, and there's like an IGN review on the front, and that's like a that's obviously the choice of DC, the publisher, to put that review on the front. But you know, or put like a another writer's review on the front. They get writers to do forwards. So Yeah. But, uh... I mean, yeah. it is interesting. Um, I never thought of it, but yeah. IGN, because it's one of those, like, started, like, more video game, but then you start seeing other... Yeah. You had all those, like, websites all pop up around similar time, like Comic Book Resource, ComicBook.com, mm. IGN. Collider always felt like had a little bit more prestige to it. Um, for the longest time. Yeah, not anymore, though. <laughs> yeah. But now, like, everything's just kind of... Yeah. All out there. But, yeah, you have people who, you know, there there are a lot of us who do the podcasts and do reviews who can articulate correctly yeah. a review and examine these characters and have some sort of history and foundation yeah. of who they are compared to just, hey, you, review this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, a lot of a lot of reviewers don't have any real credentials to go with them. So uh but anyway, that that's a minor quibble. I don't know if they're still slapping IGN reviews on the front. I just I noticed it for a couple of my trades and I was like, mm. yeah, Red Sun especially was like odd cuz that's a very popular story. So 
But yeah, so we'll dive into Last Sun because I'm not I'm not sure how much time you have. I don't want to uh, go over too much Superman stuff because there's like a few Superman things happening right now. But we can see how we go. But uh, we'll fly over to the Phantom Zone. Up, up and away. So, yes, Last Sun. So, this is, as I mentioned before, co-written by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner. I'm not sure about the exact process of their co-writing, how involved... One yeah. was over the other, or if they were both, you know, 50-50. It was one of those books that, at the time when I read it, the first time, excuse me, it's early here. Um, That's all good. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? I had just been going to the library and getting every Superman trade I could find. Yeah. Without really, like, the context of time or who or what. And I, of course, yeah, Jeff Johnson's the name that I, I recognize, but I didn't understand at the when I read it the first time, like I remember oh yeah, I've seen his name. Mm. And I think I was reading Blackest Night, I think at the time. I think his my my buddy uh Devin was a huge Green Lantern fan and we were he was diving hardcore into Blackest Night. Yeah. So we were going to the shop and what we were doing is we were we were buying the books together so that we could get all of the tie ins and everything. Mm. And of course Richard Donner and I knew like years later just learning more about Johns and everything, how he had worked for Donner when he, um, and everything. So he had a relationship with him right. before this, like he had worked oh. on his staff and was like a, a yeah, an assistant and everything on some of Donner's films. And so I understood like that, I think John's even helped a little bit with the Richard Donner cut of Superman. Right. So I understood that. So it was kind of like, okay, neat. Um, A couple years ago, I was at a convention and I got uh, back when, you know, they would put out figures for some of these. Like it wasn't like it is now. Like you would just see random figures for different arcs in comics. Yeah. I have the the Zod figure from this book. Oh, that's cool yeah i was like i always think it's neat because yeah and we'll get into it more as we get into the book so yeah yeah so i didn't know that i didn't know that that actually worked together um yeah i I always movie there's a great story that john's had and this is one of those times where i miss kevin smith's old fat man on batman (laughs) podcast where it was just him talking to like one person about just like Batman and stuff. Yeah. Um, because he interviewed Jeff Johns in one of the earlier episodes, and Johns told the story that just showed how good of a person Donner was when they were. It was early when Johns's daughter, or not daughter, when Johns's sister died. Um, and he was working, and Donner just paid for his flight and everything, wow. gave him all the time off he needed. Um, I think it was. They were working on the film Conspiracy Theory from the late '90s with Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts. I think because I know John's worked on that movie as part of Donner's staff, um, but I think that's around when his sister died. Yeah, so, that's cool. 
Yeah, I I guess I always just assumed that Jeff Johns was like a huge fan of Superman the movie and sort of just got a hold of Richard Donner, but it makes more sense if, you know, they knew known each other. So, yeah. I just feel like if, if Gary Frank had drawn this, it would have been too on the nose, I feel like. Oh, God, uh, yeah, I think, because it's already, it starts off very on the nose, and it sort of deviates a bit, which is nice, because it... Well, first off, the the cover for the first... I like the covers they do is these sort of sketchy, you know, like, grey kind of covers mm-hmm. that they do. And the first one is just, like, Superman with, like, a serious look on his face. And then, you know, we'll get into the others. But, yeah, I'm not sure who did the... Oh, Adam, Adam Kubert did the cover art as well. Interesting. It's different to the interior art, so... But I, I really like his artwork in this, and I'm really glad uh, they went with him. I will say, in the trade... Like, this has a lot of double-page spreads, which look mm-hmm. gorgeous online, but in the trade, they don't look as good, because the trade, it doesn't cut off as much as, say, Multiversity, which is a crime, um, but it does cut off a bit, and I'm more focused on trying to see what's going on as opposed to enjoying the gorgeous artwork of mr cubert so that is a downside with the trade i have which is mm. uh the last son of krypton trade and it collects this story and brainiac in it uh, there is a new trade i'm not sure if it's done any better but yeah i don't know if you had that experience I have, with yours or yeah i have the last i have the same trade that you do right and it, it was one that like it was one of the stories that since Richard Donner had passed, like this would be a good time to kind of hmm. to do this, you know, because we, neither of us had done it at the time. Yeah. So we've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you have you done it before on your show yet, or is this the first nope. time? Okay. Well, I, d- I talk about it briefly. Um, yeah but not really go into a deep dive and that's coming up here soon. Just mentioning it and talking about it just as a good book for, mm. um, you know, people who have, a who like to read Superman and have that pull towards the old film series. Yeah. No, this is a great jumping on point for that. I mean, that that's sort of where I jumped on. Um, and I mean, he did, yeah, he didn't die that long ago. It was 2021. Mm hmm. And he was, he was quite old, 91, so, yeah. But it, it the way it starts off uh, is a lot of these, this textless opening as well, this first page. I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to deep dive too much into it because we are covering five issues, but uh, it does start off very Superman, the, the movie, you know, Jarrell, we got the Richard uh, Donner Fortress of Solitude design, and we got Jarrell talking to Superman. Their conversation is basically like I feel like they're almost lines from the film. Mm-hmm. They're very close to <coughs> lines from the film. So, and, and you know, the last part is he emphasizes the last son of of Krypton. Yeah, he says, "People of Earth, by you, the last son of Krypton." So he's like reiterating what we believe. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, for all intents and purposes, Superman's, yeah, the last one in this story. Like, they mentioned Supergirl, because, like, you kind of have to mention her, because it's in continuity, but she's not in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Notably not in it. 
So, yeah. But yeah, very... Um, again, I'm not... I, I don't know where you stand on this. So I think... I believe the, the Richard Donner Fortress was brought in in Action Comics 840, I believe. And... It was Jeff Johns and Kurt Busiek, so I'm guessing it was Jeff John, more Jeff Johns' idea, because he seems to love it. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I get it's iconic, but I prefer the normal fortress just embedded in the ice, or even the New Fifty Two fortress. What, what are your thoughts on the uh, fortress? I, just, I like the the normal fortress. I feel like just having just the crystals. It was cool for the. Um, and it's so weird in comics how you have this where the movies take from the comics, the comics take from the movies. Yeah. And it seems like we try to line the comics up with whatever the movies or TV is doing, and it just never really works. I yeah. feel like when they try to line them up together, um, and especially with the history of Superman with, like, reboots and then slight adjustments and stuff, yeah. where I feel like one thing, love it or hate it, Jeff Johns tried to always take stuff back. Um, you know, especially with Superman, he always tried to get Superman to be back towards a Donner Superman. Which is, I'm, I'm firmly on the hated side of that. Because <laughs> I think, you know, it's just, there's so much, like, so much really good Superman that he ignores in favor of making things more like Superman the movie, which is, you know, mm -hmm. not, as one of our first episodes, I think episode 10, we did a crossover on Superman yeah. the movie and how... It's a decent film. It still has problems as a film, but like, and as a Superman film, though, I think it's very far from like perfect. It's very far mm -hmm. from the ultimate interpretation of the character. It did a lot for the character in, in terms of him being taken seriously by the general public. And it did like a, have a serious story and a pathos in the film, but, um, you know, the, like, the, I think the fortress is just there's even like the fortress in the 2000s is really good um the ice igloo is just so not igloo that the ice sort of pyramid is so sterile mm -hmm. and i get that it's like kryptonian technology but it's also superman's home and like it's always been superman's escape his little you know man cave and it's been so yeah. colorful and full of all these cool things and like this fortress is full of those things but it just looks very, I don't know. It Desolate. doesn't doesn't look like a home for him. Right. It doesn't look like a place where there's anything in it. It just looks like a cave. Yeah. A nice cave. So I just I, I do resent John's like John's is very hit and miss for me. Very hit and miss. Uh, That's know. how I feel about you know Superman's Secret Origin mm. was we took it back and did this very. Like reestablishing old, yeah, um, things, and you know Gary Frank. I made the joke is like his art is really good, but he draws Superman just like I mean it's almost looks like Chris, yeah. and it's funny that they didn't get Gary Frank or anything to do when they did the Superman seventy eight comic. Yeah, yeah, that. They, they probably should have, but maybe Gary Frank was busy because he's a big name and that comic was kind of like a like a B-side comic. Like, it didn't seem like it was made a big deal of. 
Mm. You know, so um, I have read that actually, but yeah. And the 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 thing that annoyed me about Secret Origin <laughs> the most is it replaces Birthright and Man of Steel, right? Uh-huh. And both of those stories had some real growth for Clark, some great moments, some powerful moments, and Secret Origin replaces all the growth character arcs with just nostalgia for things mm-hmm. that Jeff Johns likes. Like Superman, it's just all callbacks to Superman the movie and the Silver Age instead of actual growth there. And that that always really irritated me about Secret Origin. Like, I can't stand Secret Origin, as you might know. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just... Uh, I do like this story, though. Yeah, <laughs> I do. It does new things, and it has, you know, this is not just, it's not even like a rehash of Superman 2. There's like a lot of similarities, obviously, but it does plenty of stuff that's new, stuff that I wish they'd sort of kept around, and we basically, the whole thing is a pod crashes in Metropolis which contains a child. We don't find out straight away who the child is, but the child is General Zod's son and Zod and Ursa. Of course, he's called Ursa now instead of Feora. It's um, one of those... It's one of those... Like, I did a whole... I had a whole episode, I think, about a, a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago. Yeah. It was Feora versus Ursa is what we called it. Hmm. And it was a, it was a dive into how... There's only like one representation, and it's in an episode of Ruby Spears, and it has both Feora and Ursa, right? In it, and it was kind of like Ursa was one of those like created by you know Donner and them hmm. um, for the film, and <clears throat> people have always used one or the other. Um, I think it's because she essentially is Feora, right? It's basically the same character. Basically, um, but the only difference I've really been able to do outside of this comic and other mediums of in um, the cartoon and uh, just little things I've been piecing together, because this is the first time Feora shows up in comics or not Feora, sorry, Ursa is Feora was always Zod's wife. um, And Ursa was more like a soldier like his right hand soldier um but that you know that also changes in medium because like in man of steel the film you have feora but she's not really zod's she's not zod's wife she's right hand basically um so i i think i always feel like ursa's a little bit more of like that sadistic kind of sadist um you know member of zod's group whereas Ur whereas Sorry, that is Ursa, where mm-hmm. Feora is a little bit more of his sir, his companion, his wife, but also one of his elite. I think it'd be a really cool um, story to have both of them, you mm. know. Um, so that's kind of just been the little bit of, and like I said, it's been like about two years since I did that episode. Yeah, yeah. And um, but it's like they always either they always pick one or the other. But since this is, you know, Richard Donner, they're using his three Kryptonian yeah. villains. 
Yeah. And I think that the we'll get into them more later, but I think they're done much better than they are in Superman 2. Like, uh, any similarities that this has with Superman 2, this improves on tenfold. I think. You know, yeah. I think the Kryptonians are better, the story's better, all the characterizations around the board are better than Superman 2. And, you know, obviously you don't have, like, the limitations because we're doing artwork. So, but, you know, so Superman finds this kid and there's this sort of little bit of a conflict, like the government obviously wants him because, hey, you know, this is a Kryptonian of our own that we could have. And Superman sort of just wants to keep an eye on him and there's this bit of a thing when the government moves him without telling Superman, so Superman basically takes the kid. Uh, hijacks it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like, he he has a really good uh, rapport with the kid. He's like staying with the kid and Chris, as he comes to be called, he's staying with Chris and he's staying with Chris's bedside and stuff. And he's like, I'll be here in the morning. I promise. Cause he's scared. And then they take him uh, without telling him, which is what triggers the whole thing. But they really like each other. Otherwise Superman wouldn't just take him. So, but yeah, it's all really nice artwork. And uh, I'll just get my, my notes. There's a Superman's uh, very assertive here yeah you shouldn't smoke around kids he crushes the guy's cigar <laughs> you know this 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 superman is not taking any nonsense from anyone which i like yeah so and i love how he's drawn as well i uh, like his proportions i agree it's not overly done yeah you do like you did talk about when you know he gets named i do find it funny because the way lois talks about like uh i've had this name and idea for years Mm. it's silly i picked it when i was a little girl and she's like what about christopher and they're like yay chris can't you know like yeah it just it's just one of those build-ups like she has this like really great name like i have this name i've kind of had forever like ooh, what's gonna be it's like christopher and you're like all right one yeah. of those uh, <laughs> extremely popular generic names. I mean, no offense to anyone named Christopher. I get it. Like, my first mm. name is Jonathan, which I don't go by. But, you know, it's just like, it's not like some, wow, that's a really cool name. It's like, that's common. But I understand, like, it's, it's an honor of, you know, uh, Chris Reeve. Like, I get it. You um, know, I feel silly because I didn't pick that up. But <laughs> it was Chris Reeve. <laughs> but that makes more sense now. Yeah. But it, it was just one of those, like, She's like building it up, like it's gonna be some mm. revelation of a name. She's like Christopher, mm. and then Clark immediately like Chris, Chris Kent, like yeah, Mila goes for. <laughs> it doesn't really I roll off made... the tongue, does it, Chris Kent? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I would have laughed like if he was like she was like no, let's call him Topher, Topher yeah. Kent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I figured it was some inside thing, you know, like it was someone that one of them knew and obviously Chris Reeve makes sense because otherwise like the logical choice would be uh, there will there be plenty there'd, there'd be like heaps of names you could pull uh, that like aren't Chris because Chris yeah without the Chris Reeve association it's completely random so but Chris Kent uh, we'll get into but yeah Lois Lois and Clark they're having conversations I think Clark kind of wants to keep him 
And Lois is yeah. really weary about it. She's like, you know, you're Superman. I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Where, you know, we've had this conversation. Can we, like, it just doesn't mesh with our lifestyles and your secret identity. And so, yeah, that that's interesting. And I do like the scene where Superman breaks into the Pentagon. He's flying over with a teddy bear and people are like, good morning, Superman. And he goes, good morning. Don't forget to drink your orange juice. Yeah. And then he sees that Chris is gone and he switches to, you know, okay, serious business mode and storms into the Pentagon, uh, crushes their guns and goes a bit golden age on them. That last panel where he's like, where is he? Yeah. You know, Again, it's like, like righteous anger. Like, yeah. I love it. The friendly Superman, but a friendly Superman that can kick some butt, you know? Uh, they, I don't like when they swing too far <laughs> one way or the other. So. Well, he's, a, he's, a, he's a friendly Superman, but he's also, don't mess with me. Yeah. Don't piss me off. Yeah. And don't do something that's not right. Hmm. Because it took me, like, when I was reading this, the next page where, like, you see the truck that, the, that Chris is in. And it's it's one page, and it's real quick. It took me a moment to realize that it was Superman that basically uh, hijacked the truck. Because he didn't do it in his Superman outfit. He yeah. used a bomb. Like, he made it look like it wasn't him. Yeah. And everything. Which I thought was and, weird, but it does make sense. Yeah. It, it, it totally does. But it, it took me a minute because I was like, it's you know, it's one page with a bunch of small panels. And and then the page right after it is the Kent farm and Clark showing up with a boy, you know, to talk to Jonathan, Martha. I think they initially want you to think it's Lex because we cut from Lex to that truck being hijacked and Lex yeah. going opportunity strikes, you know. But then obviously when Superman rocks up with Chris, it was him. So he's just trying to make it make sure that people don't realize it's Superman that took him, because that would complicate things. So. But, yeah, he takes them to the Kents, Mara and Pa Kents, and then we have our next issue, which is uh, Bizarro cover, which is a nice cover by Adam Kubert. Um, the covers are great. Yeah. I know we're kind of, like, talking about the story overall, but is there anything about the first issue in particular you wanted to mention, or...? I think it's a good setup of just kind of, like, it moves quickly, um, you know, with just getting there, the mystery of who this kid is, that he's Kryptonian. Yeah. Um, you see, because they, they do the scenes where they're talking in Kryptonian, and Superman, you know, is introducing as Kal-El, mm. and everything, and you can see he definitely has a compassion for this boy, and like you said, the conversation between him and Lois. Yeah. Of, uh, and then, you know, the, and it's just a nice little setup of where we go to where yeah. we pick up with them all at the Kent farm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because for those who don't know, Superman and Lois cannot have children. Uh, the only way they were able to have children, uh, able to have John is through the power of editorial and, you know, crazy <laughs> circumstances where they could somehow I, do it. So I'm okay with, like, I just got to the third. I do not like the retcon that Tom Taylor did. What with did he how do? John, 
when uh, John was just born in the Fortress of Solitude, and they made it very simple, you know, Lois and Clark having John, um, much like some of the Superman and Lois, how they kind of made it seem like it was easy for them to have kids, compared to, you know, the before they did all the hijinks about making another Earth. Yeah. You know, they got pregnant because they were on Argo City. Mm. Um, in the comics, they have John because, um, you know, it's the po- pre- it's the post-crisis Superman, pre-New 52, and they were basically bottled yeah. on another world during Convergence, and Clark had no powers there. And so they were able to conceive a child. I'm okay with that. Like, it's comics. You know, I've also said, mm-hmm. like, if Clark wore, like, blue kryptonite and, you know, Lois had, like, blue kryptonite on or something so that the child she could carry is a little bit easier to do yeah. than, you know, being off-world or whatever. Because um, I think that's a much better approach than just, mm. oh, they have kids. No big deal. I uh, Yeah, so Tom Taylor just made it so that they went on a different Earth. They somehow were just able to sort of have sex yeah. and give birth. Yeah. <sighs> you know, like, it was just because he... Because the whole... Like, the birth... Like, I have the I have the first issue where John's uh, birth... And I got it signed by Dan Jurgens. Right. Um, and it's, you know, during Convergence where you have the battle yeah. of all these different uh, errors. And it's actually Thomas Wayne Batman from Flashpoint who helps deliver right. John. You know, being previously had been a doctor and everything. So I think there's a little bit more um, of a deeper story there mm-hmm. than just John being born in the Fortress of Solitude, where Superman, where you have Wonder Woman, Batman outside, and then different Justice Leaguers pre- um, nearby protecting everything to make sure that, you know, John is born, which is great, but at the same time, like, it just makes it too easy yeah i look i didn't think i could dislike tom taylor even more than i already do but i do <laughs> uh he anyway so that that yeah i don't like that for me it's for me the other way was a little bit too convoluted as well but like it's probably better but i feel like it's an in-between somewhere and the way i like it is all-star like you can't do it without this crazy like you know it's a it's this huge, huge thing to crack. This thing that will change the world to crack mm-hmm. is cracking Superman's DNA so you can have a child. Like, so that he yeah. can have a child, basically. I, I almost feel, like, in that vein, it's like, they have a child, but it's, like, unnatural. It's almost like in vitro. Mm. Like they have to raise it, like, they have to do it, like, in a test tube type special chamber. Um, and would be also, interesting. Yeah doing it like that or like i said or if you just want to do it more natural i i just the whole blue kryptonite thing works for me of yeah. like he has no powers they're neutralized um and then she wears blue kryptonite so that if the child does possess powers it doesn't hurt her but then I mean, yeah yeah but moving we can keep going well I'll, I'll deal with a little bit because i i don't think superman should be able to have kids because i i always thought it was a big part of his character there's this inherent sadness there that he can't have kids it's like you know batman can have his parents back superman is the last of his race mm-hmm. so again unless they do it like all-star then i just don't really like it i mean i give superman and lois a pass because 
hey, that's like the premise of the show is like they have two kids. And the fact I like those two kids, I think having your two kids not be perfect is a cool thing Mm -hmm. to explore. But yeah, it's just at what point does Superman stop being Kryptonian? He may as well just be a guy with superpowers. Yeah, it's it's a it's a thin line to walk about making him alien enough. Yeah, making him alien enough or too you know, or too alien to where Yeah. So So I think it's the it it's striking a balance. I think they've gone way too far in the he's just a dude with powers thing because that's what it is now, really. Like and I'm not into it. Like it doesn't ruin the character for me, but I just I'm not into that direction at all. Uh, I mentioned on another podcast, I think, like, where Superman mm-hmm. is right now is probably, like, the least, the furthest away from Superman that I'll want to be, I think, that he's ever been. So. Mm. I gotcha. Um, yeah. Not in terms of, like, personality, but just in terms of, like, his kind of status quo, I guess. Like, he's married, he's... he has kids, he has this great life, you know. I, I, I can see that in just... From just the the, oh, if we think about in the past roughly ten to twelve years, how many times we've seen things change and reset. Mm. I just kind of roll with it because yeah. eventually they're going to change it again because they don't really let anything stay long anymore. Yeah. If we're lucky, if we get a certain error for like two to three years, it just <laughs> so yeah, it feels like we had a bit of a. Because I think, as Grant Morrison said of the Superman 2000 pitch, Superman was living cruisy in post-crisis. There was no real tragedy in his life. Uh, you know, a tragedy makes all great heroes. Like, they, they all have tragedy in their stories. Um, and, you know, Krypton blows up. That's pretty bad. But even then, in post-crisis, it was betrayed is not that bad a thing. But then we got New 52, a fresh take on the character, and then we sort of just reverted back again to the marriage and stuff. And so it feels like we've, to me, it feels like we've been on that same track for a long time. Mm-hmm. We had five years where he wasn't married and had this life and now we're back to it. And, you know, it's just sometimes I just want Superman to, you know, have a few story arcs on his own without being surrounded by his family constantly like i just want to see superman go off into space and we did get that with war world which was great but i don't know it's just a bit bit fatiguing to me um superman and lois is like this married couple you know feels like every story has to be them together doing something um i mentioned you know Lois is probably a bit severe but i just i'm not i've gotten pretty fatigued of superman's supporting cast you know, mm. I'm into Superman because of Superman, not because of Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane and all that. Like, they're nice additions. I've just had too much. <laughs> yeah. You know? I gotcha. So, but uh, but back to this story, um, we have, you know, he shows Chris to Jor-El. Jor-El doesn't know who he is, and then they fly together, which is nice. Again, it's really great artwork. I like how... Clark looks he looks a bit different, like with his sweater and the cancer. I should say his Clark Kent's really yeah. good as well. It looks like there's a bit of an all star thing where he's like this sort of big lumbering guy who who slouches mm-hmm. when he's Clark Kent. Yeah, I I do want to say like the one one like in the scene where he's talking to his parents 
And Jonathan asked him if, like, did you hurt anyone? And mm. uh, Martha says a line, and it's one of those lines I just despise, period. Anytime I hear it, where she says, those young men were only following orders. Mm. I hate that because to me, that's just a line that's used to get away with things in any anything period of just the yeah. ability that people don't have to think for themselves yeah there's it's a it's a tricky thing um you know because like on the one hand she's right like they probably didn't know what was some of them probably didn't know what was going on they were just doing their job right mm-hmm. i just got to escort this truck they yeah. might not have known what was in there but on the other hand it's like only following orders as an excuse only goes so far. And as we know, there's been some pretty heinous things done in the name of just following orders. So it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a very wobbly line uh, that Martha's yeah. saying, you know. So, and it's Superman. He didn't hurt anyone. I mean, I know they're his parents, but I think you can trust him not to... Yeah, not to hurt anybody. Yeah. So. I do want to point out, though, I do find it interesting that you're talking about the art and stuff that Lois, they cut, they draw her with the short hair. I was thinking about that. I just, yeah, I didn't really know what to say. <laughs> but yeah, I, just, it's just, I just find it interesting. That's it. It's a different I mean, look. Yeah. Which I, She's I, a little bit I more like rebel it. girl, Lois. Yeah. But I do find how we keep seeing these cutaways to Lex, where he's kind of like watching from a distance, mm. but he's not really involved in anything. Yeah. And Chris, Chris thinks Oz doesn't like her because, uh, you know, she basically says, we can't be this boy's mother and father. Like she, And then Chris hovers over and goes, why? Because he understands English now. Yeah, I, I love just seeing his evolution of intelligence. Yeah. Of how he's just picking up stuff. Because, like, in one panel we see him watching TV, and the next panel he's floating there, um... And yeah. like you said, he, he's like, why? He's trying to understand. And then we have the big media circus press conference mm. here. Yeah. Yeah, and Lex is watching the TV and he's talking to, uh, what does he mention, Rudy here? So, yeah, don't squirm, Rudy. So we know if, with the purple lighting, Parasite's going to come into play and Lex has Bizarro there. And this is like the bizarro issue. And uh, we have, we cut to like the press conference. Superman wants to announce like he has the kid. And like, oh yeah, because like they've decided to give him back to the government because Lois didn't want to raise him. And Chris is, you know, still upset about that. But Superman's like, I'm going to make it public. I'm going to tell them. This kid's in your care, so the eye's going to be on you to treat him mm-hmm. properly and not do anything shady. So that gets ruined by Bizarro attacking. Now, look, I I don't like how they write Bizarro because it's confusing. I, I I don't like Bizarro as a character in print. Period. Because wow, <laughs> no, go on. I, say, <laughs> I he's not a bad character. I say that because I don't like when he takes a lot. Because it gets really hard to read Bizarro. Mm. Like, I don't mind Bizarro in comics when it's like he gets a couple of lines here and there. 
but there are some stories where they just go on with Bizarro. And then when you get like Bizarro World or like the Bizarro family, yeah. and they're all speaking like that, I, I'm really, I don't want to read this. Yeah. Like it's, it's confusing. Um, and I also feel like it's weird when you get Bizarro, like here where he's just kind of like an enforcer thug. Yeah. I just, I found like it was very out of, like, weirdly out of place. They send Bizarro here, like Lex does. Um, but it's also one of those things with certain characters, like, like Bizarro, trying to remember where we are in continuity. Because you can read this out of continuity, just as a great Superman story. Yeah. Or you could read this as it was, you know, printed in the continuity. And then you have to kind of think, where is Bizarro at the time? But I just get tired of reading Bizarro speak. Yeah, I for me Bizarro has to be either he talks normally but like his powers are in reverse and he's not right in the head, or he talks completely opposite. And what really annoys me about the way these guys write him is he does both. So you don't really mm-hmm. know when he's being opposite and when he's not being opposite. And it's just very inconsistent. And I'm I I'm on the other side. I I love Bizarro and for me this is like not the not like I usually enjoy Bizarro, but this is not good Bizarro writing. It's odd mm. and inconsistent, and I guess we'll mention it here. Uh, the the follow up arc to this is Escape from Bizarro World, as in that's like the next one, which you know, given uh, your aversion to Bizarro, <laughs> uh, we we won't cover that, even though it's like chronologically next. Um, and I'll say, I'll say now I hate that story. Hate, like, yeah, I'm using the hate word, not just dislike. I hate it, uh, because of the way I just don't like the writing in it. I don't like how Superman's characterization is in it. Uh, but I will say I like the artwork in that because it is the guy who does the goon. Can't remember his Mm. name. Unfortunately, I'll get his name up now, but yeah, it was, I really thought it sucked and it's weird to me, like, that's just the inconsistency of Jeff Johns, because I really like this story, and then I hate the story that's directly after it. So, <laughs> it's... And that one is also co-written by Richard Donner. Eric Powell does the artwork. He's the escape from Bizarro World guy. Uh, I did like the trade, though, because the trade had a bunch of Silver Age Bizarro stories at the back, which I quite liked, but... Yeah, so I guess... I feel like that would just help inform you of, like, the character... The type of character, the world the character can be a part of, mm. compared to just being like, here's this one bizarro story. Yeah. Um, but so I guess maybe like part of why Bizarro is in this is like they're sort of revving their Bizarro engines, so to speak, because that's the next thing they plan to do. Or maybe they enjoyed doing Bizarro so much here they wanted to do a whole story arc around him. Maybe. Um, I remember there was like a couple of good moments in that book to do with bizarro but i don't if you guys if listeners you want to go read it go ahead but i don't plan on covering it on the podcast even though i own it so i kind of like uh bizarro here when he's not talking because uh, he's like he's got that sort of bizarro thing where he's not gentle like superman Mm-hmm. Very rough. Like he breaks the kid's arm. Yeah, yeah. He picks that kid up and he he goes, ah, do you see the snap? And he goes, you am not Superboy, you break. And he throw, he just throws the kid <laughs> away. 
Um, and Superman scoops him up. And I think yeah. I, th- I think they're inspired by, I want to say the film Frankenstein in 1930, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, there's a that definitely feels more. The, I mean, Frankenstein like is a good kind of Frankenstein's monster. Let's mm. be proper. Yeah, yeah, is a good analogy from the film compared to the book because in the original film he's very played as a very innocent, just trying to figure out what's going yeah. on and. Um, but he's acting out of just pure instinct. And I, just, I remember a certain part in the film. Uh, you've seen the film? I oh, yeah. From the way you're talking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember where he's... The girl's playing... Throwing flowers in the water. Maria. Little yeah. Maria. And Frankenstein's monster picks her up and throws her in the water and she doesn't come up. Uh, but it's like an... It's just a matter of him, like, you know... Not bit, not knowing his own strength and like not knowing what happens and that's the not understanding of, why yeah, she's that, not floating like the flower he saw like why isn't she, why what what happened like it's yeah it's a very well acted scene from Karloff oh it's amazing of of just like the reaction he has and what to do and yeah the the fear you know it's a it's a great film which I th- feel like is a little bit let down by the ending but I urge any listeners to go watch it it's not very long either um, I uh I prefer like I did this little edit myself last year of yeah. editing Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein together as one huh. movie just because Bride technically is supposed to pick up right. the last few minutes of the film and it's supposed to be a direct sequel and everything so I just as an experiment kind of edited them with a few things together yeah and then just watch it as one viewing and just kind of see this character's journey um just something fun to do because i really like the old uh films you know they're fun yeah i've yet to uh see bride of frankenstein but i hear from a lot of people that it's actually better in a lot of ways it elevates aspects of the character and if you can do it as a Mm -hmm. double feature i highly recommend it um, there's a couple little odd moments in Bride of Frankenstein that I just feel are just weird that they're there. And when when you watch the film, you'll totally understand what I'm talking about. You'll yeah. be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's weird. But I I definitely like the Frankenstein's monster approach to Bizarro. Yes. In in any way that you do it, just kind of the the innocent lost. Mm. Um, do you prefer Bizarro World or like a clone, like a failed clone. Um, I mean, I I can have both. I know? agree. Uh, I, I agree there. Because oh. I mean, look, the world's just fun. It's a big cube, <laughs> um, you know. But like the idea of him being a failed clone, like a literal sort of Lex Luthor trying to create life, another Superman is a nice thing as well. But like, I, I believe. It might have been this continuity or another one, but, like, he does... Like, Bizarro starts off as the failed clone and ends up creating Bizarro World. Or was that the Silver Age? It could have been the Silver Age as well. Um, I don't remember, but I do remember that. I wish... I like how they did Bizarro World and Superman and Lois, but Bizarro himself was... Hmm. Are you up to date on that, by the way? Yeah, oh, totally. He's back. <laughs> Bizarro's I'm, back, so... I'm curious where that's going to go. I hope he becomes yeah. more bizarro like, but still keeps 
the established character that they built with him. I'm just I'm hoping they don't try to go some sort of like doomsday type thing. Mm. Um, just because like the whole you know Kryptonian anomaly in the DNA can create doomsday. Oh. And since they were, I just hope they don't go that route. And so far, they've been really good to subvert expectations on things. Um, Until this season, though, they haven't been good with their villains. I, I don't think they have anyway. I, I didn't mind the crazy cult lady. She was okay, but like she was okay, a, a version of like a parasite. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Understand? Like the whole like Tauro thing was cool. I like the idea of like this half brother and like exploring like more of Lara than just Jarrell. I think that was just answered by the multiverse aspect of it. Yeah, and then the whole and then the whole point where it's like, well, what really sets him apart than being like Azad, you know? And I feel like they kind of work it and they tweak it here and there in the second um, season, bringing the character back. And then I once he became more of an antihero. Yes. And I, I'm like, well, what happened to the Daily Planet? Because he was technically Morgan Edge. Yeah. And <laughs> Morgan Edge right, on the yeah. Daily Planet. Like, wouldn't it have been awesome if, like, because they're at the end where he's, like, making, he's, you know, he bought the trucks and everything. Oh, if he became, tab- like, editor-in-chief or something? If he would have, like, <laughs> upon his disappearance or death, like, Clark Kent and Lois Lane inherit the Daily Planet yeah. from Morgan Edge or something, like... Wouldn't that have been an interesting little yeah. uh, thing? But it was just, whatever. It was a bit messy, and the the whole idea <coughs> that that Superman became brainwashed and turned against the planet, like I really didn't like that angle because we'd had so much evil Superman, you know, have had so much of it, and then Superman and Lois does it in their first season, and then they and did like, like oh. I wasn't a fan of the whole John Henry Irons and Lois on his planet. It was odd. Uh, um. And I, I get it just because you do it with you you make the story work with the actors that you have to make the actors and characters work stronger. Mm. That's why you see all kinds of shortcuts like that with uh, just using the people that you have for things. Yeah. Um, but it, it it did feel a little odd and. But I, I really like this season. It's good. It's a good season, and I think like they just the first season was just the foundations were too messy. Like, I don't think the main plot was very good because of multiverse, evil Superman, all these various aspects, but there was other stuff where I enjoyed, which is why I kept watching, and I think this season, everything's just, you know, working. We've got a good villain, um, Bruno Mannheim, and now soon-to-be Lex Luthor is going to be showing up, and, like, the way they describe Lex as, like, it's like being in the room with the devil is so much better than like it's such they really built up lex in a good way where it's like this guy doesn't sound comedic he sounds scary yes and i want we we need that did you watch did you watch titans at all this season you know i haven't uh i didn't i didn't watch titans past season two but i do plan on catching up and finishing it at some point i bring it up just because you have titus welliver show up who's a really great actor as lex luther and his uh, his tenure of the character is not very long, but I would I would have really liked to have seen him more to get the stretch and see what he really would have brought to the character. Right, um, and that's why I bring it up just because you know here we are getting the Superman Lois version within like mm. what the same year. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so it's interesting. I just, 
it is interesting. But back to our story. Yes, all the way back <laughs> <One> of, <laughs> to why I brought one, up Frankenstein's monster is they do, and the, the water scene where he throws the girl, they did that almost scene for scene in, almost bit for bit in Escape from Bizarro World. Mm. Except Superman <clears throat> saves the kid this time from becoming pavement splat. But uh, I think that that's, they're definitely going for some sort of thing with Frankenstein's monster. Um, but I, yeah, I like how he's drawn. I think yeah. he's drawn great. And, uh, the fight's good. Bizarro's causing chaos. Um, and he's, I love his logic of like, you know, well, if <laughs> Superboy's invulnerable, so I'll just burn all the kids and see who doesn't burn. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a very childlike. <laughs> yeah, human boys burn, super boy no burn, and you know a bus lands on Chris, and he's terrified, but it doesn't hurt him. It just sort of goes through him, or he goes through it, and Lois finds him. The Daily Planet ball gets knocked off again. <laughs> I mean, I say again. Uh, I guess it gets knocked off a few times. I could think of Smallville, Red Sun, and uh, yeah. this comic. It's just one of those things, like, if Metropolis is under attack, the Daily Planet ball is coming down. Yeah. <clears throat> but Chris Chris picks up the ball. He flies up and saves Lois from being hit by the ball. And then Superman makes quick work of Bizarro by flash-freezing him. Like, he creates a super hot lava around Bizarro, and then he freezes it instantly. And... Yeah. My so, favorite panel is the next one where Jimmy drops his camera <laughs> and there's another photographer taking a picture of Jimmy without his camera. Yes, the the rival paper, the Daily Star, as uh, as all the Superman aficionados will know, was the Golden Age paper Clark Kent worked for back in the day. But yeah, so Lois is, she says, I said we couldn't do it, but I want to try. So they put the glasses on and they're sort of coming up with their backstory like, uh, is he our cousin, their cousin? And Superman's like, well, glasses will work. <laughs> That's where they officially name him Chris. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we get the... So we're in the second issue and we get we see the pods, more pods coming. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting how, like, drawing from, like, the last panel at the bottom sees one pod open and, like... Yeah this figure kind of in the distance standing up mm. and then you turn the page and then there's the three uh zod and ursa and non yeah and they reveal you know their uh it's their kid yep and this is such a gorgeous page these two pages and uh, well, four pages even but uh for the trade like doesn't look anywhere near as good that I found. Yeah. Um, so, but like digitally, it looks phenomenal. And uh, yeah, so they arrive. Uh, I guess we'll talk about their outfits now. I think they're really cool. Yeah, because they're like they're basically like prison robes. Yeah, it, it even tells us they're like prison outfits, but they like the prison outfits that happen to look like supervillain outfits, but they're like practical. So it's not mm-hmm. the I, I assume like the the 
robes are cloaks. They have hoods you can put over them and you have goggles. And I'm assuming that's for the conditions of the Phantom Zone so that they can survive or... Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's like, the different Phantom Zone things where, like, yeah. there's they're in an actual, like, their body. They become a phantom. Yeah. And then there's the ones where, you know, they're non-corporeal, but then there's the versions where it's just them in a zone and their bodies aren't aging or anything. Or So I, I agree with, like, with the goggles and everything. And then they have the markings on them that looks like it's, like, more of a prisoner one, prisoner two, prisoner three kind mm. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look like they're house symbols or anything. But Zod's always been very inconsistent. Yes. how he's depicted in anything. Yeah. I always thought uh, this this Zod and the Zod and New Krypton, which is sort of a little bit after this, not not far after this, uh, that, that always seemed to me like, uh, if not a direct inspiration for Zod in Man of Steel, like the motivations are very similar and they're both more supremacists about Krypton and they're you know, really loyal to Krypton as opposed to I just want to conquer stuff because I'm bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they both wanted to save Krypton. They both believed Jor-El that Krypton was going to blow up. And, you know, they both believe, like, the Kryptonians just superior to the humans and want to take over Earth for that reason. So I quite, quite like this Zod. Like, I think this was a turning point for Zod's characterization in the comics. Uh, ironically from Richard Donner and Jeff Johns. Richard Donner, the guy who did have the campy, you know, kneel before Zod, uh, I'm evil just because. And, yeah, that that was good. Like, he was a fun villain. He was menacing. But it's nice to see him get some depth in his characterization. You know, some motives that make sense. And he's still bad, which is good. You don't want him to be too good. So, but, yeah, uh, there we have our next issue cover, which is the sort of Phantom Zone prisoners reaching out to superman our first bit of color on the cover with the superman being colored but yeah so we get issue three and the the kryptonians have gone straight to the fortress and they want to see what jor-el has to say about them and like the history of the phantom zone because like zod feels very betrayed by jor-el i like how the the first page of this is the same three four panels as the first issue just now it's from zod yes so it's the fortress just now except penguins it's the pods you have the zod symbol instead of the superman symbol zod holding the crystal superman holding crystal Uh. the hand putting it in so it's the same four panel design just now and even if you look at the slant of how zod's standing it's the same, you know, basic layout yeah. of the with the one big photo and then the uh, five panels to the side. Yeah. Just now it's <clears throat> it's Zod and them. So yeah, I agree with like you know the history and um them just being angry for what what they are and what they're being re- referred to as. Yeah. Yeah, they try to say things on as blown up. And um, I do like... Uh, we, we get nods to various characters that have appeared 
I believe most of them have appeared. Some of them might be out, but Jack Saw's a famous one. Like, he was the first mm-hmm. Phantom Zone prisoner because he uh, blew up the moon, Krypton's moon. It's a Silver Age story. Uh, and, yeah, to uh, unsanctioned attempts to conquer interstellar space travel, Jack Saw destroyed Krypton's moon. Thousands of lives were lost when the lunar colony of Kandor vanished in the explosion. Hmm, interesting. Maybe that will come up later. Uh, another thing to point out is this is uh, Zod's first like proper in continuity appearance since pre-crisis. Yeah, um, it's but, weird. It's weird how little Zod is using comics, but how I know often majorly he he's used other mediums. Yeah, like not just the films, but TV shows and everything. He always pops up. But so that that's. 2008 so yeah since since like 1985 he hasn't really popped up but he did pop up like once in four tomorrow which had gorgeous art but i try and forget that story when i can yeah i have we have not covered it yet because it was one of those stories that i bought um just because i was buying a lot of trades and the the bookstore used to buy two trades get one free yeah so i would just go and buy trades and of course you know you see the Jim Lee art, and you're like, oh, yeah, we got to get this. And I agree. Like, it's been... It's probably been 10 years since I've read it, and it's just one of those we have not covered, and we eventually will. <laughs> <laughs> you could always just never cover it. It could be in the Phantom Zone, you know? Like yeah. I said, eventually. <laughs> yeah. So... It's like an indefinite hiatus. I've just been... Because I ran out of time before the show, but I've actually been looking at these other Kryptonian names. I, I believe they're all characters. I know Quexel is a character. Um, yeah, I won't. I won't look all of them up, but I'm curious about Tor N. Yeah, so am I. Because he he doesn't sound like a jovial Silver Age villain. The. <laughs> uh, can't find him in my encyclopedia, but they do miss characters sometimes, but it's quite rare. So maybe maybe some of them were invented, some of them were... Apologies, listeners, I ran out of time to check all of the names. Uh, Tor-An is in Man of Steel, though. He's like a background Kryptonian. And hmm. he is listed on Comic Vine. I have four appearances in Action Comics. Mm. Action Comics issue 307. And then it's issue 846 onwards. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're just making some deep pulls, I think, from the Silver Age. It's my encyclopedia, that's what I got it for. Why does it have Quicks all but not Tor N? You know? <laughs> it's still... it's. Yeah. It's rare when a book is more useful than the internet, but this book is uh, like that um, for a lot of things. But yeah, it does miss a couple of those characters. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> it's a bit of a similar condemnation scene where they're sort of stuck in the ring and Jorel's condemning them to the Phantom Zone. But it's different because... In exchange for their lives, like, they're like, we won't execute them if you sentence them to the Phantom Zone. 
And if you uh, don't tell anyone that Krypton's going to blow up to spread panic. And Jarrell agrees because he thought even criminal life was sacred. So. Mm-hmm. Which really annoys Zod. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that from Jarrell. Like, he wouldn't even tell people that the planet was going going to blow up. Like, mm, really? But, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't track with me. Yeah, uh, like there's, there's, there, there is, or there should be specific reasons for Superman's moral code when it comes to killing. Jor-El going that far is a bit odd to me. I think I always Jor-El always struck me as somewhat of a bit of a hard man in certain aspects. Uh, but yeah. So, but it's, it's cool to see, like, Zod and stuff, you know, take a tour around the Phantom Zone. And they talk about, like, the zoo. We don't see the zoo, but they talk about it. We see the statue to Jorel and Lara. Mm-hmm. And we even see Monel in the Phantom Zone in the background. He'll come into play soon. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I do think this is where the issue changes. Mm-hmm. Once we get them introduced, like it is a, uh, it is a big kind of oh, like yeah, like oh, that's who this is. Like okay, wow, that's Zod's son, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Now you know they sort of they cut straight back to it. Uh, because we have I was the, like nothing happened, but now we know. We have the great scene of Clark and Lois trying to figure out their story as they bring Chris with them to work. Like, whose yeah. cousin is he? How old? Like, yeah. So, I do think it's great and just the busy daily planet. And then <clears throat> we have immediately like the daily planet's attacked. Yeah, they don't really get time to introduce him to anyone uh, besides Jimmy and that. They barely introduce him. And Jimmy hits the signal watch, and then... You know, I think it's interesting is Clark quickly goes to change and is already under attack before he yeah. even gets his suit off well, by now he is. And I think, like I said, this is where it changes because then, you know, he gets attacked fast and... Um, and he's fighting like you know Zod crashes his clip his glasses mm. calls him Kal-El and he says you're the criminals well the, the story's changed from what if Superman and Lois dealt with a kid to an invasion story like it that that part of the story is essentially over it's all about the Kryptonian invasion now or the Phantom Zone invasion to be more apt and they keep yeah. mentioning this thing with Non, and we even see it, that Non was like a mentor to Jor-El, and that the council did something to Non, and that's part they of the reason... They basically lobotomized him. Yeah, you see the scars on his head, and it's part of the reason that Zod hates the council so much, and I think part of the reason they might have murdered them, and they keep alluding to this thing the council did to Non, but I'm just so curious as to why they did it and when they did it, and we don't find out, or we don't find out in this story. I can't remember if we find out later or not, but... Yeah, so... 
but yeah, like you just said, like, you know, this is, I, f- I feel like if this had been done now, you get at least two or three more issues. <clears throat> yeah. And because this moves so fast, because here we are, they're under attack, like, and the story's completely changed. Um, it's now an invasion story, and it's not even yeah. like it's an attack on Metropolis, and then they send Superman to the Phantom Zone. And I love the artwork on the Phantom Zone. So, you know, Zod pulls out the Phantom Zone projector and gets the drop on Cal, you know. And then, you know, the next page is, like, the artwork changes. And I really like the Phantom Zone artwork. Mm. Like, it almost looks like a film strip that's being, like, twisted. Um, How Clark's in the Phantom Zone looking and seeing things. And it's in this. And, like, this is where I say, like, this would be a bigger, like, event. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Because it's in here in this film uh, strip that we see Supergirl, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, uh, as they're taking on the Kryptonians. And they're getting beat, you know? Yeah. It's nice that it as, doesn't need to be an event. Like, because Superman's rogues gallery is quite powerful. So if you, like, if you have to make an event every time he goes up against, like, an Earth-ending force... It would be, you know, or if you like don't, or if you consciously tell Superman stories without Earth-ending stakes, just because <laughs> you'd have to make it an event. Yeah, um, but I just I find it interesting, uh, just because it, when anytime I feel like they bring in the other characters, it makes it more of like, oh, should this be addressed in their books? Is it more of an event? You know, mm. um, compared to it's just what's going on in Superman's world. Because I feel like. When it's kind of just going on in Superman's world and kind of rationalize, like, other characters are busy. Yeah. But then when you bring in, like, Batman and and all of them, then you're like, okay, now it's becoming a DC event. A DC, uh, everybody's coming into it. So that's when I'm like, it just feels like, oh, okay, now it becomes something bigger than just a Superman story. I guess that's where a line... It's kind of a fine line, though, because, like, just a Superman story can be such huge stakes because Superman's so I, powerful, so it's and like... I agree. Yeah. I agree, totally. But I think if, that's where a kind of habit of... Oh, Brainiac's shown up, let's do a Justice League event, you know? You know, yeah. Like, you bring in Supergirl, that, that's fine. Like, I don't think twice. Superboy, depending on your continuity, I don't think twice. Mm. Um, but when you start bringing... Um, yeah, but the, the the Phantom Zone artwork is nice. I also love the double page spread of the the Kryptonian, all the Phantom Zone ships smashing into mm-hmm. Metropolis. That looks really great. And yeah, and then we have the reintroduction, and I say re because I don't think it's been in this continuity or anything, or I don't even remember the last time the character showed up at this time of Monel. Yes. Yeah, so we're on to issue four now, four or five. So we're near the end, and the invasion's just started. <laughs> so the the cover for this one is Superman trapped in the Phantom Zone with Zod, Chris, uh, sort of non-coloured on the outside. And yeah, so I I didn't really like the Phantom Zone framing because it it did look too much like a film strip to me that threw me off mm-hmm. okay I mean I get that 
and uh, I just thought it was odd. I prefer like the other, some other interpretations. But I, I like that they tried something. But I was just kind of thinking, why does it look like a film strip? Mm. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, I like my favorite like version of the Phantom Zone is what it looks like in season two of Krypton, the TV series. Like it's very right. interesting. You know, I stopped watching at the start of season two, so I don't know what did, what does it look like or it's just you just kind of have to see it. Like, right. Just just look yeah. it up on YouTube. Yeah. yeah um, it's a little bit different than you know other live action interpretations we have seen. Right. Um, just how they bring it about because in Smallville is like a desert. Yeah. Um, in Superman the movie and. It's, you know, you don't really see anything other than them in that crystal. In Man of Steel, they're in a ship in the Phantom Zone, and then they break out, so we never actually get to see yeah. the Phantom Zone. And then um, Supergirl, the movie, it's like a weird desert, and they kind of copied that in Supergirl, the TV show, too. Huh. Like this kind of desert, hyper, weird, bad weather place. So yeah, I, li- I like the way they did it on uh, Krypton. Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, it, it's cool here. Superman sort of sees through these shards of, like, what's happening on Earth, and Earth is kind of falling to the Kryptonians. They defeat the Justice League. You know, they're at Smallville and stuff. And then Monel shows up. Who, yeah, is the first, I guess, he's brought into continuity, but they sort of just adapt the sort of Silver Age story. Of Monel lands, they think they're brothers, but it turns out he's a Daxamite, and then they, you know, they find that out because he's exposed to lead, which starts killing him. So, Kid Clark has to put him in the Phantom Zone to save him, uh, while he looks for a cure, which he infamously, you know, doesn't find doesn't. for a long time. <laughs> so Monel's stuck there. And, but, you know, Monel's, uh, yeah, a good ally to Superman in the Phantom Zone here. And sort of, he, he informs him of, like, what Zod's plan is and how he did it. And takes him to, like, their base. They're using this prison, Kryptonian prison fort. And there was, like, a big riot that happened and it wound up in the Phantom Zone because the projector exploded. So I thought that yeah. was neat. Yeah, it's, it's, like, in the Phantom Zone but out of the Phantom Zone at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's this nexus that exists at, uh, yeah. where Devin attacks Clark, and then when, because when Monel shows up in the fort, he starts getting the lead poisoning again. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, like, in the real world again, so he has to stay out. Uh, because he does show up to save Clark, who's been attacked by, like, a Kryptonian escaped prisoner i'm assuming he was left to guard in case superman showed up and and then he you know they have a little exchange and he tosses him back into the painting zone it's a really nice sequence i mean i could have almost done a whole issue of just monel and superman catching up mm. uh, like i feel I, like i said there's there's little things here where i feel like i could have done another issue or two just you know, filling out the story, giving us another issue of, you know, like having them introduce Chris and then having Clark and Lois really start to 
get the idea of being parents and we see like yeah. them building their routine and then how all that's taking away taken away from them yeah. so you feel a little bit more of the tragic loss yeah. and then and then this issue just being more of Clark trying in the phantom zone and having issues um that's why I just find it so interesting how like I said how fast and quickly this the story moved yeah it, it didn't feel rushed to me but it was fast and you're right it if we got an extra issue or two, we could have added, yeah, more of that. Because it adds to the tragedy of Chris being taken away so soon if they had more time to, like, start bonding with him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, because, like, right here, like, we, we learned how they were launching these things, uh, the pods, yeah. to get to Earth, and the odds that he'll if he'll make it or not. But Clark... You know, it's like, I have to do it. Yeah. And then he's, he sends a pod of himself out. Yeah. And, and he's, he's back, back on Earth. Yeah, in the space of one issue, he got out of the Phantom Zone. Uh, and Earth is... Well, Metropolis is trashed. It's not completely in ruins, but it's definitely damaged. And there's a big sort of Fortress of Solitude-type structure in the city. And the Kryptonians have rounded up all the Justice League. They've rounded up Lois. Uh, Ursa wants to kill Lois. But Zod wants to keep Wells around because he doesn't understand why, like, what Clark sees in her. Which is always a fascinating concept. But, I mean, even in this panel real quick, I just want to point out we have Supergirl, Power Girl, Green Lantern, Alan Scott. Yep. You know. And then there's like there's more crimi- there's more criminals here, it looks like, that have, have made their way out of yes. the Phantom Zone. there's a lot of them. So, yeah, Chris, Chris hurts Zod with uh, heat vision, and we we might. Uh, his name is Lorzod. Lorzod, yes. Lorzod um, slash Chris. And this is where like it takes another turn because you have Zod. Like, what did you do? And he goes, "What Superman would do." Yeah, which would annoy Zod to no end, and. Zod goes, you know, you'll remember, the, you know, I'm your father, and you will remember, you know, your loyalty lies with us, and uh, Superman bursts into Lex's lab, and Lex is going about how he warned everyone from years about the Kryptonians, rah, 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 and, you know, Lex finds it highly amusing that Superman has come to him for weapons, and also highly amusing that they that he wants to team up. Uh, Lex is like, oh, no, you're not going to team up with, uh, you know, you're with you're going to be the the add-on here. You know, you're teaming up with us. Like we're not teaming up with you. And it's it's Lex, Bizarro, Parasite, and then Metallo. It it's Metallo, but like I like I find this version of Metallo very interesting. Yeah, because he's got all, he's got four types of kryptonite. He's got blue, green, red, and gold, and we will see them all used. Or we'll see three of them used. I would like to see this type of this version of Metallo appear like mm. in a TV series or in an animated thing. Like again, because we've kind of used Metallo in TV recently and stuff. Right. Um, but I think this version would be much more menacing to bring out. Yeah, I guess it depends how they want to do, like, the different colored kryptonite stuff. 
Yeah. Because some people can be reluctant to use kryptonite at all, or they'll overuse it, or it's a tricky balance. Um, I mean, we are getting that big metallo push in action comics right now, but yep, uh, it's not it's not the multicolored; it's just green. So I just find it interesting because, like, in some versions, gold temporarily takes away the powers; some it permanently takes yeah. away the power. Um, you know, in some version, red is like the synthetic, man-made, human-made kryptonite. Yes. Um, that turns him into a apathetic jerk, or something, you know, like. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I was always used to, like I said, blue cry, blue kryptonite just being like that. It just takes away, like when he has it, he has no power. Yeah. Um, but then that's even changed. That blue cry, kryptonite doesn't do anything to him, but, but it affects Bizarro. Yeah. There, I, think um, it does, I really, it's for Bizarro, I believe. To keep so Bizarro I really hate alive. when like there's not that definitive line like of what kryptonite is, and it when it transfers to different mediums, like, oh, it's just whatever we want it to be. Yeah, like, the way some people treat it, like, I like how Birthright treated it, it was, like, poison nerve gas for Superman. It's extremely painful, like, his blood's boiling when he's near kryptonite. Uh, Because I you know, I always looked at kryptonite, like, being layers of the planet, like, you know how the Earth has its, the crust, the core, like, so when it exploded, like, it was the different layers of the planet that's why green has so much because it was the biggest layer of the planet and then as you go smaller that's why the yeah. other colors are harder to find is because they were more uh the core of the planet yeah right that would be interesting that, that's how i've always looked at it yeah that makes sense um it's a great it's a great shot of the the little squad at the end of Lex and the villains and mm-hmm. Superman, great big squad, and that brings us to the last issue, where the cover is you know a bunch of Kryptonians flying, and I guess each of these issues is open with kind of four panels. And yeah. This is you know newspaper articles: Kryptonian boy lands in Metropolis, Superman versus Bizarro, General Zod declares war, Metropolis under Kryptonian control, Superman feared dead. And we cut to Trash Metropolis. A uh, really nice opening page. And so Lex is basically giving Superman his plan to reverse all the reverse engineer the rockets to go back into the Phantom Zone, which will take them all with him. Now, they, they do explain how exactly that works. I just don't remember. I'm not going to go into how it works. You should just read it anyway. It's just, <laughs> you know, all the pseudoscience to get them back into the Phantom Zone. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But I just like how this next page is like it's a two page spread of one, two, three, four, five, fifteen panels like on the two pages yeah. and it mirrors an earlier with Perry and, and Chris mm, and right. not Chris Perry and Clark and Jimmy and it's interesting because you know this is an interesting conversation between Clark and Lex because of how it shows how each one perceives things differently. Um, yeah. He says, have you looked at this? You've claimed for years that you are the last son of Krypton. In truth, there are dozens of others your people simply chose to imprison and forget. Mm. And they're all criminals. Yeah. And he says, uh, what about me and them, Luther? But General Zod's son is not a criminal. He's an innocent. And then the next page is when we're seeing the... Kryptonian criminal. Yeah. 
And yeah. uh, so they're uh, flying around, and then the army comes, hits it, on yeah. the shell, which doesn't seem to phase them too much, and they all start fighting. And they lift up a Zog lifts up the general, or no, Ursa lifts up the general, and you know he says uh, Zog tells him, "I'll spare your life so that you're able to tell those who already know what I can do." Uh, what I'm willing to do you know I will settle for nothing less than total and complete obedience from all underneath me I will destroy all those who defy me including my own son and he puts his son's head in a vice <laughs> like he's like I'll kill my son you know you tell them that you know you will he, obey me or I'll be merciless and he even yells mom yeah like, like help me and she just looks at him not and, so uh, Superman to the rescue though and, and uh, yeah he <laughs> so Superman's just flying uh, up with his guns <laughs> yeah and he's like my name the name's Superman Zod and you okay yeah, uh, sorry, everyone, if there's any inconsistencies in this podcast, my microphone's going haywire, which means the recording is stopping and starting. But for those who caught up, uh, uh, Tyler, you were telling us about Zod. Uh, yeah, it's just the, the line of dialogue right here where Zod, where Superman tells Zod, like, you were really going to kill your son, weren't you? And Zod says, unlike your pet, Lois Lane, I can always make another. Yeah. So Zod does not care about lore Zod. At all. There's no emotion. It's just for breeding. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see Bizarro in non-fighting. Yeah, they're both going Parasite is feeding on all the different Kryptonians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Parasite Metallo made me laugh. They're very sadistic uh, parasites. Like, why are you taking so long? And Metallo's like, hey, this takes a while. It's like leeching their life energy. Kryptonite poisoning doesn't happen in a snap. Parasites, you're just munching on Kryptonians. And it's such a cool design where Batalo like changes Kryptonite, like with it looks gross. Yeah, like it pop the way it pops out of his body yeah. in different spots. I'm kind of curious about when this Metallo was formed. Hmm. Like what earlier issue? Like when this was accepted, or was this his first time appearing like this? Like I find this Metallo more interesting than. Yeah other versions and you know he he says a little red kryptonite uh loser says it plays hopscotch with kryptonian's dna yeah. sparks random changes in their genetics turns them into freaks and we see it like turn this one dude into like a bug and they step on him yeah that's really brutal he steps on his head <laughs> and he says i already know luther's been using the blue kryptonite to keep bizarre in line but i I've been dying to try this one, Gold Kryptonite. And we see him, like, use it. And we see several uh, flying Kryptonians start falling. Yeah. And he says, Luther theorized it temporarily negates their powers. And we hear splat, splat, splat. So they're, they're doing a pretty good job. They're cleaning up. <laughs> <laughs> they're just <Yeah>. killing. <laughs> yeah. So, because, yeah, these guys that have Superman's experience, so they're just... Uh getting through them um so they hey, hey connor yeah My, solomon wants to say hi real quick oh 
Hi, Connor. Hello. How are you? How are you? Oh. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Did you just get up? Yeah, I just got up. And, yeah. And, um, yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I'll come yeah. see you when we're done. Thanks for saying hi. <laughs> he lo- he he thinks it's so cool that I talk to people from Australia. <laughs> we're exotic, are we? Um, yeah, he he loves it, dude. Like when we go to the zoo, like he loves the Australia part. Like <laughs> and's always find it fascinating. Yeah. He's al- he's always like, when will you go visit Australia, Dad? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, one day, son. I hope to. It's a long flight, but uh, I know that's why I'm like, one day. There's a lot of stuff here, so yeah. I've actually been trying to find the Matawa entry, this encyclopedia. Uh, now that you brought up, when does it get the multiple? I just think he's an interesting take on the character. Mm. And then, of course, Lex is, you know, being super. Got his kryptonite DNA or grenades going through, like, their fortress. Yeah. Yeah, Lex. Yeah, Lex is going straight to the fortress to do his plan, and he's relying on Superman to be a distraction. Or uh, no, he needs Superman for something. Um, but yeah, he needs Superman there because he knows that when he activates his machine, oh, Superman will get sucked in. Yeah, it's going to take all of them. Yeah. So Superman's not going to like you know that's something Superman hasn't really dawned on yet. Yeah, true, true. That is funny. Um, So, but... A random Kryptonian... uh, Comes to Lex Luthor and, like, you know, pins him against the wall. It looks like he has fangs, almost. Instead of teeth. Or, like, his his teeth are sharpened teeth, I should say. They're not fangs. And... Yeah, before I test Spambi, tell me who you are, and Lex gives us big speech about, I'm Lex Luthor, I'm great, blah, blah, and he hits him in the head with a kryptonite dust uh, grenade thing and uh, hits him then with a red flame, red sun flame gun, and then shoots him in the head with a kryptonite bullet. I know, he he's... And he says, this is what it feels like to kill a kryptonian. It feels... Feels good. He, he's been wanting to do that for a while, I think, got something out of his system there and then we have Clark you know reunite with Lois and then he says you know Zod comes barging in and says it's one against dozens Kal-El he says not any more Zod on the way to the cell I unlocked all the others and then the next page is Martian Manhunter Wonder Woman yeah Green Lantern Red Tornado Supergirl the Hawks Power Girl and, um, you know, we, we get a shot of basically Chris sitting there watching, listening to all the stuff going on, um, remembering things. Yeah. And he's watching Superman fight. There's, um, so there's an issue called Action Comics Annual 10. Well, that, that's the issue. And that's, so a bunch of backstory, this is written by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner, and a bunch of backstory for this comic is in there. So that's where they put the Monel story. That's where they put uh, Metallo getting all the different forms of kryptonite. And why isn't that in this collection? 
it is actually in the new collection they printed. Oh, but okay. But it's not well. in this one. So the new one they printed is called the Deluxe Edition, and that contains Last Sun, uh, Action Comics Annual 10, which has a lot of backstory for this, and it also has uh, Escape from Bizarro World. Mm. Because that was, like, the next collaboration. So that, that got swapped with, like, Brainiac in this one. And we... Yeah, it is weird how Action Comics Annual 10 isn't in this. Yeah, that is weird. Like, it should be, but... Here we are. Unfortunately, we haven't read Annual 10, so we can't talk about it. Maybe we can talk about it uh, next time. But Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, they... Superman and Lois reunite. And, oh, uh, yeah, 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 you've, you've gone through this. And there's, it's just big fighting, big fighting. Uh, <laughs> big, big fight. It's a good fight. There's great fights in this series it's very action-packed he's hitting him with a helicopter he's talking about Jarrell should have stood you know um should have stood at generals outside against yes. the council and we see like Feyor or ursa scratching um superman's yeah. face but yeah we get more about you know zod believed the count believed Jarrell. he believed Jarrell that krypton will blow up and the council would do nothing so he went and took them on, and he also, I think he mentions Non again as well, or I, I read up on Non, and yeah, so Non believed Jor-El and started leading a separatist movement uh, because the Council wouldn't do anything, then the Science Council quietly abducted him and lobotomized him. And then, uh, th- this was before Zod's Rebellion, so after he was lobotomized, he fell under Zod's sway. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Zod has a lot of genuine grievances, I think. But, yeah, I mean, I like Zod, the key reference here. I led Krypton, Krypton's military against Brainiac after his disintegration mm-hmm. of Kandor. Yeah. Uh, so I like the idea that Zod, you know, he was a very strong loyalist to his planet. Yeah. And he has a history of, you know, doing big things, good things for Krypton, and which led to even more of the betrayal. Yes. Yeah. And then Zod's hands are on Superman's neck, and then, boom, Chris heat visions Zod. Yeah. And we get back to Lois and Lex, and Lex is just sort of being smug and going, you know, uh, all these things are right about me, how I'm saving the planet. Uh, and he, he says, I'm still attempting to, you know, why? I'm still attempting to accept the Daily Planet's brash and creator's Courageous reporters married to what did the Daily Star call Mr. Kent in their recent column on Planet Staffers? A mild-mannered, clumsy, Midwestern oaf with bad taste in suits. You know, my offer to save you from Mr. Kent is still good. And she goes, I don't need saving Galahad. And it, it was always weird to me how and Byrne, like, had them date each other. Mm. <laughs> like, that was odd. But anyway. I always feel bad because everyone puts Clark down so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is yeah. He the, the or explains like the rockets are tethered like a rubber band to the Phantom Zone, so they'll sling back and bring everyone with them who came through. And that's when Lois goes. Oh, and Superman as well. 
where Alex says, you know, they must have slipped my mind. So, yeah, yeah, but son he, of a... <laughs> he sets it off. Everyone starts getting slung back. And Superman gets a final punch on Zod. Big double page spread of Zod's glasses shattering as well. And yeah, this big beacon above the fortress pulling everyone in. And it's lifting like cars and stuff as well, which is a bit confusing to me. Like, shouldn't it be solely focusing on the Kryptonians? But I don't know, maybe it's. I feel like it's because they're holding on to it and they're pulling right. it with them. Yeah. Because if you look, like, we see, like, Superman holding a car and we see them grabbing stuff. And, you know, I like here at the end where. I like how the artwork's starting because the Phantom Zone's pulling everybody. Yeah. Like, the artwork's kind of getting wobbly and. He says, I, Lex Luthor, save the world. And Lois like, shut up, Lex. Yeah, with the, with the back end of the gun. Oh, wait, no. Does she hit him? Or Oh, yeah, she does hit him. Which I thought, yeah. I, I, I guess, like, if he's sending your husband away. but uh, So Zod gets sucked in. Everyone's sucked in. But Chris, also, before Zod goes, he mentions, you don't know the other horror that works in the shards of the Phantom Zone, Carol. The next time I break free, I will unleash him upon your adopted world. You will answer for your father's sins. Do you hear me, son of Jarrell? Do you hear? Then he gets sucked in in the shards. Very Superman 2-esque. Now, this... I don't remember what this horror is. Does that come into play in New Krypton? I don't... I don't think so. Like, I'm about to reread New Krypton here in a couple months. The whole saga, because I'm going to be recording with uh, my friend Anthony on it. And so I have like a bunch of questions and stuff I'm gonna be looking out for, because so I haven't, I don't think I've ever read the whole New Krypton saga. I think I just read bits and pieces of it when it right. was being printed, because they kind of brought back the triangles again for it. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. it's one of those things I look forward to to reading. I've read all of it. Uh, a lot of it is non-essential. Uh, That's what I've heard. But I, I read it. Because when I read Last Sun, I went on to Brainiac, which led directly into New Krypton. So I read all of this in, like, one sort of big go. Mm, nice. And, yeah, I it's been too long since I read it. So I don't remember. Um, but there, there's, like, some twists and turns, obviously. But, yeah, I just I don't remember, unfortunately. So... And then they, they talk about, right here, as... Superman is holding on to Chris, and he says, uh, the rocket is keeping the Phantom Zone open. I need to to go to it. He says, no, I think the zone, I think I'm keeping it open. I have to go back. And he says, you and Lois already gave me so much, a, a home, a family, and friends. I even got to meet Robin. Yeah. This isn't the end of it. I can close the zone. It's okay, Cal. Thank you for everything. I feel like wasn't there something about where he was born in the Phantom Zone or whatever he was why he was able to escape or something? Um, um I can't remember. Maybe I'm thinking of because yeah, he do, was born in the prison, wasn't he? Okay, yeah. So that's and that's why he was able to leave. Um, and then like this is a big you know thank you Kal-El, up up and away. And yeah. he flies and closes it, and Clark's does. I do like the page right here where it's like Clark on a truck, but you have to turn it sideways to realize it's the side of a building. Yeah. 
yeah, no, that is good. Um, but yeah, like, so, Chris lets go, goes back into the Phantom Zone, and he flies off, and he goes up, up, and away, and, you know, blows up, and Superman looks very sad, as the sort of dust settles. And yeah, that, that shot is really nice. It's a really nice shot. And originally I thought I was looking at the page wrong, but, uh, mm -hmm. no, it's, it's meant to be like that, so... And we get the four panels again. Lex Luthor arrested again. Yeah, I don't... I guess... I guess he should be in jail. I think his previous thing before this was Final Crisis, but, like, that was... You know, that was, like, reality bending, so... Um... But, yeah, Lex is back in jail, and I was... I was just thinking, well, I guess he should be in jail, because otherwise I can't think of a reason why he'd be back in jail. Yeah. Like, because he didn't really do anything against the law in this, so... Um, but Perry's he did like, send Bizarro you know, after. No, he did. He did send Bizarro out ah, with the boy. That's true. That's enough to get you in prison. So, so. <laughs> but yeah, we get uh, Perry's like, "Hey, I need a headline. You know, something epic and big for our wrap up on this Phantom Zone breakout. Something that tells the whole story. What you got, you two? And Jimmy Olsen, um, just sort of talking about Chris and how the whole situation sucks." And Perry asks mm. Clark and Lois when they're having a kid, and so that's a personal question. But, yeah, we get the headline, which is uh, Lois's headline, a Kryptonian boy saves Metropolis, and it's a picture of Chris. And we cut to Lex in prison going, it wasn't that boy, it was me. And for the final pages... Superman's back in the fortress. And we get Jor-El telling, you know, though I am certain there are times that you wish it were otherwise, Kelly, you were sent to Earth because you look like one of them, even though you are not one of them. A human and a Kryptonian are incapable of bearing a child together. <laughs> Just resonate with our previous discussion there. Yep. Um, what's happening right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, I know that too, Father. Somehow, boys know you're the last son of the House of El. In that respect, I failed you. And Clark goes, "You didn't fail me, Father. You gave me a chance at a life, and for that, I'll be forever grateful." And he goes to Monel, and Monel basically says, "He'll always he'll be looking for Chris to look after him." And Superman says, "Thank you." As Monel flies off, and that's the end. And that I mean, that is the end, right? Like. The whole Chris thing, like, it never comes back up. Like, uh, it does come back up in New Krypton. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, that's uh, probably why I'm not thinking about it. Don't, don't, don't say too much. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I won't say too much. Uh, I don't particularly like how it was handled in New Krypton. That's all I'll say. But I will say, again, uh, I don't know if you remember, but I'm not. I don't really like John as a character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think Adam, when Adam was on the podcast last time, he said, I think he said a good thing. People like what John represents, but John as a character himself is like not really there, especially John when he's a kid. Like he represents Superman having a kid, but as a character, he's, you know, I always thought Chris, if they were going to go the route of properly giving Superman a kid, it should have been Chris or something like Chris. It should have been adoption. And I mm. think that would fit better with Superman's story as well. It being adoption. 
I mean, especially adopting the son of your enemy. Yeah, that's such a Superman thing to do. Um, Superman I think that, himself was adopted. You know, I think that's a strong story of, like, raising the child. Like, And, I mean, they kind of did it in a way with Aquaman at times where like he right. kind of was a mentor to Black Manta's son and like a father right. figure to Black Manta's son. But yeah, like raising Zod's son with him and Lois adopting, that would be a very interesting story. And, you know, as yeah. we're reading this, I'm always thinking like they do all these animated films and everything and adaptations. Like, I, know. <laughs> I feel like this story is primed for that. Like there's just, there's enough story in there um, without it being too much. Like, you know, for years, people are like, we want a Kingdom Come animated film. And I feel like if you don't do it as, like, a two-film, like, it would never be done right. Um, I feel like this one is primed to do a good, you know, you can condense the story a little bit. And it would be a good uh, animated film. Well, this is this is very, like, this could, I think this could be easily adapted into a movie. In fact, yeah. I, I guess I wasn't thinking animated. I was thinking, when I was reading this, I'm like, this could easily be a live-action film. I like feel like a in a way, I feel like in a way, this is kind of Richard Donner, like, and John's doing, like, what they would have wanted to do with the characters, maybe. Mm. Um, you know, Donner never really looked past what he was going to do with Superman 1 and 2, and we know that yeah. the endings of Superman 1 and 2 were, you know, tweaked and changed. Yeah. So in a way, I kind of feel like this was their way of kind of doing a new story with their characters of maybe what they would have liked to have done or, or I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. Um, yeah. What a, a, a Donner Superman three would have been. Right. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Cause it, it is, you know, their characters in a way continuing. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I just feel like this is, could be a film all in its own. Um, I say animated because you can do it more true to the source material without the baggage of, oh, another Zod movie. Yeah. Um, and also, like, you know, the, like we pointed out in the book, it's good. But there's the, you know, Chris gives the line about you and Lois gave me a home and all this. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. A bit more like, of that would nice. If it had been one of those story arcs where maybe we start, Chris shows up. Chris is there for a few issues. And then we get, and then, you know, maybe, like, it goes for three issues, and there's a whole other, like, side story of Superman fighting another villain. Yeah. And there's the whole Chris is there. And then, you know, after those three issues, we get, boom, (laughs) the reveal that it's Zod's son. Almost like you start the story, you kind of just get used to for a few issues of this being the new status quo. And then the Zod arc starts, you know, yeah. um, that way we really do get that gut punch of, oh my gosh, this is who that kid is. Lois and Clark are, they've lost their son. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. But I, I, just, I agree. I, that is my only complaint. Um, it's yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess we can. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it overall. It was action-packed. Um, action-packed, great artwork, you know, good characterizations. There was a couple of lines of dialogue where I was a bit like, uh, but um, generally I thought it was good. 
and you know it's not you know it's it's more on like that's just the sort of like blockbuster popcorn end of the superman spectrum but you know i i really like i think it does that really really well you know i really like seeing a proper kryptonian invasion and like a big scale battle which we don't really see that much and it kind of makes me want to read new krypton again after brainiac i'll see because it is quite long maybe i'll just read like the essential stuff this time mm. if i do uh but yeah so um, i'll give it like seven and then seven zods out of ten okay i don't know what about you yeah i i think a, i think a seven yeah just because i feel i feel like they hint at so much more story Hmm. Um, being there and it just and not even going like what we talked about like with all the other heroes but just the the story of just the life that Chris has with you know because it's so quick and fast like there's not much going on yeah yeah and again it would have been nice if this trade had that annual 10 which is like a complementary or supplementary thing to this. It's confusing that it would not include that, but it would include Brainiac. So, right. And like I said, when I I bought this, and I, I what's funny is I bought this. Um, it had been on my list to buy for a while, but then when Donner passed, I bought it, and then I shelved it because, uh, what do you call it? I just wanted to wait till we got a chance to talk about it so i didn't even know i had the brainiac in it yeah yeah okay yeah yeah uh so i think brainiac's about six issues long i think it's like one issue longer than this so but uh thanks for coming on again no problem um you know we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens we might, we might have you on for the next one too we'll just see how schedules line up and we can hopefully talk about uh that annual 10 and maybe talk about Brainiac or something as well. Um, you know, we can sort something out. Uh, and where, where can everyone find you? Uh, everyone can find me on Krypton report on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, the podcast is available anywhere where podcasts are available. Yeah. So check that out right now as of this recording. Um, I don't know when this will drop, but just, we just did a special um, week-long Flash week, just building up to the Flash movie yep. discussion about the Flash character. Um, so check that out. Cool. All right. Well, until next time, uh, if you adopt a child, hopefully you get lucky and he's not the son of an intergalactic space monster. Uh, That's true. Yeah. All right. See ya. Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com. Our Twitter, at lskpodcast. Our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last, but not least, 
thank you everyone for listening